Welcome to Wines We Drink, a podcast for wine lovers and learners. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, and together with my counterpart, Keith Herndon, we'll be exploring a new wine each week. Keith is a lover of wine, and I am a learner of wine. We hope you'll learn and sip along with us, too. Welcome back to our podcast, Wines We Drink. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Keith. Welcome back. Hey, Charlotte. In our last episode, we drink a wonderful Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley's Maryvale Winery. So if you missed that episode, you can find it posted anywhere you get your podcasts. And this week, we're staying with the red wine category, but we'll head north from Napa Valley into Oregon's Willamette Valley and try one of its lush offerings of Pinot Noir, which is a favorite of red wine drinkers who prefer something a tad lighter than Cabernet Sauvignon. So Keith, what are we drinking on this episode? Charlotte, there's so many wonderful Pinot Noirs from the Willamette Valley that you'd be hard-pressed to go wrong picking any one of them. Uh, Almost any selection you make from the Willamette Valley Pinot Noir is going to be delicious. But for sentimental reasons, as well as taste, I selected an amazing wine from the Archery Summit Winery. Uh, My wife and I spent a lovely day there on one of our many wine sojourns, and it holds a special place for us. So, in fact, if you, if you look over to your shoulder, you'll see a photo uh, on the wall there that I took in the vineyard there. So you can see that um, Archery Summit is uh, it's a special place on earth. And it has a permanent place in your home now. It does. <laughs> so before we begin drinking the wine you've selected us, why Pinot Noir? What do wine drinkers expect from this varietal? Well, in the last episode when we talked about Cabernet Sauvignon, we we talked about France's Bordeaux region is what made uh, Cabernet Sauvignon famous, right? Well, for Pinot Noir, we can thank France's Burgundy region for its fame. Pinot Noir is the grape that gives power and expression to the French Burgundy. But it is a grape grown in many, many places around the world, and I especially love what the vineyards and the winemakers of Oregon produce. They have taken the Pinot Noir in many different ways, and and I just think that it's such a wonderful, wonderful expression of the Pinot Noir. Uh, So let me step back and say that Pinot Noir, in many ways, is the opposite of the Cabernet Sauvignon grape that we tasted last week. Pinot Noir is a thin-skinned grape, and it grows in tight bunches that makes it susceptible to disease And because it's a tight bunch, um, the temperature swings can be, uh, uh, can affect it because it doesn't get enough airflow. So it's a really challenging grape to grow. But grape growers, especially those in Oregon, and uh, they've learned how to overcome those challenges. And, And because of that, there's a lot of amazing wines that come from it. And so you've already decanted today's bottle, and already just looking at it, I can see the color is way less intense than the Cabernet that we drank last episode. I was saying earlier that just the light coming in through the decanter, there's a beautiful red uh, cast on the countertop, and we can see slam through it versus with the Cabernet, that, uh, that reflection was not appearing. Yeah, that's a great observation, Charlotte. I mean, Pinot Noir show off their ruby or scarlet red color, but they're also much more translucent. It's a lighter style of red, and, and I think that that contributes to a wine that is very inviting for novices as well as connoisseurs. 
Right. Well, and maybe it's inviting for me too, just because rubies are my birthstone. So I have a good <laughs> feeling about this wine, okay? Excellent. <laughs> so before we drink this wine, tell me exactly which wine from Archery Summit we're going to be drinking today. So this is the 2013 Premier Cuvée, which the Vivino app ranks as among the top 1% wines of the world. The same as the Cabernet Sauvignon that we did, that we tasted last week. So let's get to drinking this uh, wine. I'm going to pour us a couple of glasses if you're ready to go, Charlotte. I'm ready to go. Okay. So uh, that, that nice red, ruby red is going into the glass here. Wow. And another top 1%. You're really spoiling us here on this podcast. I can't say I'm complaining. <laughs> so before you taste this wine, Charlotte, let's go through the kind of the routine that we started in the last episode. I want you to gently swirl the wine in the glass and then take in the... In the, the aroma. aroma. Can and you tell me what the swirling does? Is that it, just it, a, it a actually, neat trick? No, it, it, it's actually releasing some of the, uh, 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 some of the aromas. So right? like an it's, extra aerating step. Right, yeah. It's just, okay. a, it's just a way to, to get the wine uh, to release some of its aromas into the glass. Mm. Wow, yeah. It's definitely not as bold as I remember the Cabernet being. I'm still getting some initial fruity elements, and dare I say maybe some cherry is happening. <laughs> Again, I feel like I may be wrong, but I'm just going to speak speak from the heart here. But I'm also maybe smelling some flowers or some floral notes. A much lighter smell. Excellent. Excellent. It's, 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 it's interesting that you mention those floral notes because the tasting notes talk about rose petal. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> A romantic wine. <laughs> so, okay, now, so go ahead and take your first sip. Okay. Sip. Oh, wow. I love this. Let me just say, I first reaction is that I just absolutely love this. I do tend to gravitate towards sweeter things, and it definitely comes across <clears throat> way lighter than a Cabernet. I'm getting a lot of uh, fruit and those florals come through on the palate. Our wine word last week was tannins, which is that sensation of uh, getting a drying sensation in your mouth. And I don't get that here. Um, it's much lighter and uh, goes down very smooth. Uh, I mean, Charlotte, you, you may have to start training, you know, your taste buds because you're getting it, you know, right? <laughs> you know, you're getting it. You're getting it. So, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's really interesting. You know, this is a wine that... Uh, uh, it, it opens with a really big scent of the black cherries. Right. Right. And then um, you mentioned the florals, and I'd mentioned already that the wine notes talk about rose petal. Um, but you also, do you get a hint of vanilla? I get some vanilla I do. in this wine. That's where there's, there is some warmth coming in. There's a lot of lightness, but then at the very end, there's some warmth coming in. And yeah, vanilla is it, and maybe even some other spices coming through. Absolutely. Here again, the tasting notes uses the word savory spice. Wow. To help describe this wine. Maybe I'm a professional after all, people. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, I think that um, the specific wine we're drinking today with, with a few years it has in the bottle, because this is a 2013 vintage, it's even developed a little more elegance, right? There, there are no, and you mentioned this, there are no overreaching tannins, 
to this wine, right? Right. It's going to finish really nice and bright, and I even think there's some minerality in there, some what minerals. Do you mean, what do you mean by that? Um, almost some hint of earth, if mm. you will. You know, it's it's bringing out that that sense of of um, of the of the soil that it was grown in, right? It's it's expressing that in some ways. Yeah, I definitely feel as though my palate is being more in tune with the ways of the earth. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's great. So you know, it's also you know the 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 Cabernet that we drank in our in our second episode, which which was our first tasting episode was 14.7% alcohol by volume. And, and that was a little bit more robust, right? Uh, well, this one is 13% alcohol by volume. And so that makes it kind of a certainly, it's a certainly a lighter wine. And, and you kind of picked up on that when you, were, when you were tasting it. Absolutely. And, you know, whenever you say the distinction 14.7 versus 13, that doesn't sound like a big jump. But just in tasting it, they're two totally different palates. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's quite a, it's quite a difference, I think, in terms of the, the level of alcohol and what that does to the, to the, to the type of wine and its, its texture and its uh, boldness, if you will. Uh, 13% is a much more lighter, lighter wine. It doesn't linger on the tongue as long. <laughs> that's a good way of saying it, I guess. <laughs> right. So for this podcast, when we're drinking our wines, we're, we're treating this more as a wine tasting and that we're not really sharing these bottles over a full meal. If, if, if we were to have this over a full meal and coming from Oregon, oh my gosh, this is just an amazing wine as a compliment to some grilled salmon. Mm, you're right? going to make me hungry. <laughs> I think it would also pair really nicely with some duck, right? Um, and it's lighter approach would make it a nice wine for vegetarians. You know, we often sometimes think of pairing wines with meat, right? right? We often hear that. Well, it was really interesting because I was reading some, some, uh, some articles recently, and I came across an article that, uh, from Martha Stewart about Pinot Noir, and, and she even suggested that a Pinot, Noir, a Pinot Noir would go really well for that vegetarian and suggested mushroom tacos. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> as an I'll example. I'll have to try that right? one day. Mushroom tacos as an example, right? Well, and that's very true what you mentioned. I mean, you, we, I often have always thought about wine pairings as going with a protein. And I guess mushrooms would still qualify as a protein <laughs> in this case. Um, but can you tell me maybe a little bit more about what happens when you have the right wine pairing with a, with a dinner? Does it change the taste of the wine in your mouth? Or what is it that's happening in that taste? Oh, I don't, think it, I don't think it changes the taste of the wine. I think it's a... It's like you're, you're, you're organizing a concert, right? And the wine and the food come together to create this wonderful um, uh, experience together, right? And, and you want the wine and the, and the food to um, be complementary, right? Right. And you, you just don't want that competing, uh, uh, you don't want that competition in your mouth, you want the wines to uh, complement each other. And so uh, uh, this type of a wine, a Pinot Noir, you know, um, would probably not, because it is not as bold and robust, it doesn't have those tannins that a Cabernet Sauvignon. So yes, some people would enjoy this with a steak, but it's not as tanninish as, you know, as, as tannic as a, um, as a Cabernet would be. 
And so I would suggest the Cabernet with the steak and this more with some poultry, you know, like duck or uh, grilled salmon. Some right? leaner meat. Leaner, yeah. Right. right. I guess this is a leaner wine, if I you will. Got, that's a way of going there. Okay. <laughs> Don't know if I'm mixing mixing uh, uh, descriptors here. Um, right. No, but that that's really fantastic. And so then my next question, continuing on with this idea of food and wine pairings, um, would you would you say that it's recommended that you have different pairings for different courses? So could you have the same wine for an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert? Or would you have to select different individual pairings? Oh, no. I think here again, you know, I don't think there's any hard and fast rules, right? Um, there's always, uh, uh, I always tell people to do what they enjoy, right? For me personally, I love to have like a sparkling wine as an aperitif, you know, to, to set up a meal, uh, a nice Prosecco or some type of a, char, a, a champagne or, or a cava or something. So a lot of people like a sparkling wine as a, as a, as a, as a wine to go with their salad and their, their, their early courses. Perfectly fine to do that and then switch to something else that would be more of a pairing for the main course. Why not have more? I love it. I love yes. it. <laughs> well, this wine has been really great to drink today. And we're at the point in the show where I got to ask, how much are we talking? How much is this wine? You know, the Vivino app pegs the average cost of this specific vintage at around $40, which I think is a very nice value. Uh, but I, I've mostly seen it uh, available at around 50 or higher, right? Um, but again, this is a 2013 vintage. And so it's not widely available. If you can't find this specific vintage, you know, I would suggest going to the Archery Summit website and looking through their more recent releases of Pinot Noirs. And, and there you will find a range of prices very based on their different uh, types of Pinot Noirs that they have there. There's a, a lot of different uh, styles of Pinot Noir, even within that varietal. And uh, you will find their prices at their website between uh, one uh, between fifty and one fifty, between fifty dollars and one hundred and fifty dollars, right? Um, and again, I want to emphasize with the way we do our podcast, this is not product placement. We're not part of any affiliate marketing with Archery Summit. I doubt they know that we're talking about them today. <laughs> yeah, that's important to know. We're drinking the wines you like and you want to talk about here, Keith, not as a marketing aff affiliation. And so it's really interesting to me that this is a nice mid-level wine. Uh, and would you say that it's accurate that uh, whenever you're describing a vintage type of wine, that the pricing goes in hand in hand with availability? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, definitely. And, uh, you know, obviously um, some of the wines that we're, that we're tasting in this podcast are not mass-produced wines. Um, they're not um, going to be widely available at your supermarket. Uh, these are more what I call craft-type wines, uh, um, lesser, you know, li more limited production than the mass commercially produced wines. Great. Well, this has been a great tasting experience today, and we're going to be back in just a moment to wrap up this episode with our weekly wine word, cuvee. We're concluding each episode with this educational feature, our take on a specific wine word, and today's wine word is cuvee. Keith, that's what's on the label of today's wine we drank. What does it mean? Well, the literal meaning of the French word 
would translate as vat or tank, right? But we don't normally take it literally when we see it on a wine label. It doesn't mean premier tank. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't have the same ring to it. Right, or premier vat, right? So no, in the context in this, it has come to mean a blend, right? And most often you see cuvee on labels for champagne or other sparkling wine, which is known, you know, for its blends, right? In the case of today's wine, Archery Summit has labeled it a premier cuvee. And by that, they mean that it is a top blend or a combination of grapes from several of their estate vineyards. So if you see cuvee on a label, think blend, and then you can dig deeper and find out what is in that blend. Wow. Thanks, Keith. Another wine word mystery solved today for our audience and for myself. (laughs) So in our next episode, we're leaving the red wines behind and we're turning our attention to the white category. And Keith tells me we'll be drinking a Chardonnay that hails from a winery with grounds that can only be described as a botanical garden. So maybe we'll take a field trip one day. I'm just going (laughs) to put that thought, put that seed out there. I can't wait. Thanks for joining us on Wines We Drink. Yes. uh, Thanks, Charlotte. And I will say we're leaving red wines behind for a while but not forever we'll be back to some future wine yeah right definitely thanks for listening to wines we drink listen to our other episodes anywhere you get your podcasts be sure to subscribe so you'll be the first to listen to future episodes and follow us on twitter at wines we drink and instagram at the wines we drink cheers